Hello, and welcome to episode five. Woo, we made it to five. We made it to five. Now it's established. There's no going back. <laughs> and we've got product placement for episode yeah. five. If you know anyone from Coke, send the Diet Coke my way. Yeah, right now it's a free sponsorship. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Um, for those of you that don't know, this is our follow-up podcast uh, to Messages on Sunday Mornings. So every Sunday we gather, uh, we hear a message, we hear a speaker, uh, and then we use this podcast as a way to dive deeper, to unpack, to answer questions, the questions that you submit. Um, you can submit those in the mobile app. Um, there's actually two ways to do it now. I added another way. Oh, wow. So you can do it in the This Week's Talk notes. If you scroll all the way down to the bottom, there's a button. And then also just on the home screen of the app. There's an additional oh, nice. additional little submit a question box, so wow. it should be really easy to find. So Good. keep submitting questions. We love doing we love going through those. They're fun. They're a blast. So I'm one of your hosts, Mark Adkins. To my left is Rick the Rick Rubel. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Rick, we are in a, a new series, new ish series mm-hmm. called yep. Sticky Notes. Yep. Uh, and Jake kicked us off last week with Philemon mm-hmm. or Philemon, as I like to call him. <laughs> and uh, this week you took us through uh, out of order. You jumped into third John. Yep. Or three John. Three John. <laughs> um, so if you could just give a, a, a sticky notes version, an even more abbreviated version of wh- what is yeah. John talking about in third John? So uh, sticky notes are all the, the we've done a four week series. It's the four shortest books in the New Testament. Yep. Um, third John, probably the, the verse that just capsulizes everything. And I didn't I didn't say this in the message is actually verse 11 that says, dear friend, don't imitate what's evil but imitates what's good. Hmm. Anyone who does what's good is from God. Anybody who does what's evil is not from God. And so it's a letter from John to his friend Gaius, who, uh, who has extended hospitality um, to, to teachers and preachers that traveled and, and taught the truth of God uh, to believers. So it's a letter to Gaius, and it affirms him in some really cool ways, and then it gives a warning about this guy named Diotrephes, um, who who's controlling, likes to be first, that kind of thing. And then at the end, it commends um, it commends a guy named Demetrius, uh, who was the the uh, person who probably delivered the letter. So it's really short, fourteen verses, something like that. Yeah. But uh, something really cool there. Yeah, great. And so in um, and you kind of unpacked it a little bit there in in John's letter. You kind of get this. Some people call it the sandwich technique. You called it the Oreo technique, yeah. <laughs> which someone had an issue with. But basically, uh, <laughs> the concept of starts with a good encouragement. Yes. Yeah. Goes to a warning. Ends with an encouragement, so you kind of get this sandwiched effect or the Oreo effect, which brings us <laughs> to our first question. Someone likes Oreos or <laughs> something. <laughs> this person, and it's it's signed at the end, so we'll get to who sent it. Uh, you did an analogy where the center of the Oreo was the bad part and the cookies were the good part. Have you ever <laughs> have you ever eaten an Oreo? The cream is obviously the best part. Signed the cookie monster. <laughs> um, I, I actually should have done product placement with Oreo cookies because I will say this. I have celiac and um, there are gluten free Oreos and the double stuff Oreos are like the best. So yes, I get that cookie monster. The center is the best in an Oreo cookie. But then if you call it the sandwich technique, then you have to say the meat's the bad part. It's uh, you just can't yeah, win. It, it, that's right. So you heard it here Sorry. first. Sorry. You heard it here first on North Point Plus. Rick is repenting of his Oreo analogy. <laughs> analogy. That's correct. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and then another part that you mentioned um, in. Uh, in John's letter is this emphasis on hospitality in the church. Uh, And you shared your own 
part of your own story where you mentioned that you've stayed in probably over 300, 350 homes, which is like blows my mind that yeah. I don't even think I've seen 350 homes in my life, let alone been near them and stayed in them. I, I have, this is not the place, but I have incredible stories about the places that oh, I've stayed. I'm sure. Stayed in some wonderful, wonderful homes yeah. and stayed in some ones that uh, the night was long because um, <laughs> they were maybe not quite quite as nice. When I was in college, I traveled in a group that that um, that sang in a different church every night. Yeah, and we would leave in May and come back at the very end of August, right before school started. Yeah, ninety nights on the road, every night staying in in somebody else's home. Um, Jeez. And so I, uh, people have asked a lot of times, how is it that you're so good with names? Well, when you wake up someplace and you think. What is the name of the people that are fixing me breakfast? I haven't any idea. I learned some techniques to help that process. But uh, so two summers, it was it was 90, uh, 90 days each summer that I was yeah. in different people's homes. Two years, I traveled um, 14 weekends a semester. So about mm. um, 28 weekends each year, yeah. uh, staying in people's homes. And then um, and then beyond that, once I once I grew up, and began to direct choirs and went on tour and as well as choir tours when I was in college. Sure, stayed in lots of homes. Uh, yeah, I can only imagine. And, and, yeah, and and part of uh, what you talked about in your message is this, and what we've talked about outside of that is you know John has this very clear emphasis on hospitality. Yeah. it's almost an expectation in the church that they are to be hospitable. Yeah, how little we hear of that. And, and not just and not just John um, Paul when he writes to Timothy yeah d- uses that and and this is a big deal for for the elders in the church who are like the most um, uh, mature spiritually that hospitality would be a hallmark for them mm. um, it, it's it's a big deal and that's not something in American culture that we've cultivated at all and I think biblically that's something that we that we need to um, yeah. one of the one of the other examples where f- to me that just really sticks out I said in the message um, there were some times that I stayed in people's homes that they gave up their beds for us mm. and th- and that was that was pretty humbling yeah. but on mission trips um, more than one time, People would spend a week's worth of their wages mm. to fix us a meal, yeah. Um, and and so it was a challenge uh, t- with the groups that I led to say to say to people, man, whatever you're served, you eat as a just as a guest because they are giving their very best, even though that may not be what what you would choose to eat. Right. They have sacrificed immensely for you, and that mm. that's that's that whole spirit of hospitality. Yeah, yeah, we we lose a lot of the concept of even what that cost means right. <laughs> in the American right culture just because to give up a week's worth of anything is almost like a laughable idea right. <laughs> for us. Why would you do that? Yeah. yeah. So I wanted to dive into a few questions. Uh-huh. So I have a few questions. We have some questions that were submitted. Um, and so... L- let me just say this. Yeah. Um, because I can, and we're on tape. Um, <laughs> we're not going 41 minutes like Jake last, last no. week. <laughs> now okay. my, now my goal is away. to go 42 minutes. <laughs> I'm going to hold you here. <laughs> Jake was... Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so it, you pointed out early on uh, the key players in the, in John's letter, um, and it's pretty clear. I mean, John writes the letter and addresses it to one person. Yeah. So I guess one question off the bat is, you know, how do we as a church thousands of years later read and apply a letter that was meant and directed towards one person? Is it is it applicable to us? Does it still apply? 
How do we know if it applies? Yeah, I, I one of the one of the big picture things about North Point and about for me personally, I think that you look at what Scripture says, yeah. l- look at the Scripture that we have, and um, and trust that that is God's word given to us for a purpose, hmm. and that that's been vetted over um, well now two thousand years in terms of the New Testament. Yeah. But the process that happened in the first century and beyond that, where, where um, the letters were validated, the biographies of Jesus were vetted and validated and said, yeah, these are true and accepted mm-hmm. by the church. They were circulated among the, uh, among the churches. Yeah. And so the truth that's there, that as John writes to Gaius, those lessons that he's trying to convey... Mm-hmm. There, those are principles that apply to us. So when you see what John said to Gaius, what John said about Demetrius, what John said about Diotrephes, mm-hmm. um, there's clear application for us now, even in 2021. Great. Um, we have a question from Kate. Yeah. Uh, and this is great. So there's one point in the message where, or in, in John's letter, where he says, I have more stuff to say to you but I want to do it in person. I want yeah. to do it face-to-face. And kind of drawing that principle of there's conversations that can be had through letter, for John, through us, it might be through text, email, over yeah. Zoom, virtually whatever it might be. And there's conversations that should happen in person. Right. And the story that I always like to use is, I won't name the person in my life because they might listen to this, uh, but there's a person close to me in my life who was broken up with, not through text, but had their mom call Oh my. Him. Oh my! <laughs> and that was the breakup initiation. <laughs> so, some conversations wow. are so important that you should not have your mom have them <laughs> for you. Yes. So, uh, Kate asked the question: uh, When it comes to those conversations, and uh, for, for how to discern, how do we know which of those conversations should be face to face versus through text or yeah. email or through my mom calling that person? <laughs> <laughs> Kudos to Kate for asking that question because yeah. I, I, th- um, I, it's. It's just a tiny piece at the very end of the letter, a kind of a throwaway thing from from John. Yeah. But um, but I think that that's really true. And I would say any conversation that um, that makes your hands sweaty. Yep. When you think about it, any conversation that you think, oh, this could be misinterpreted. Hmm. Um, any conversation that's about uh, an issue that um, you know the other person has deep feelings about. Mm-hmm. Um, any conversation that is going to have long-term implications, mm. um, I think it's it's always right to think, can I have this conversation in person rather than yeah. uh, electronically, uh, particularly email or text. Yeah. That's, it's harder. I, in my mind, it's it, it really always is, I can communicate a lot of things to a lot of people really quickly through email or text. That's great. Yep. But if there's a harder conversation, a conversation about conflict, a conversation about difference of opinion, that kind of thing, um, a conversation about even um, difficult things that are going on in somebody's life, yeah. I want I to, the next step up is to have it as a phone conversation. Yep. And and it's even better to be able to, to do that face to face. So yeah. if uh, if it's one of those conversations that are that um, is difficult or that you anticipate could be misunderstood, yeah. um, that you want to go face to face on that. My my dad, I can remember my dad saying all the time, I can get in enough trouble doing the right thing. I don't have to try and do the wrong thing. <laughs> and I think that that, that applies to this concept in that. Yeah. Um, I can I can um, send off an email really quickly, yep. and that be misunderstood, 
And so I just have to be sensitive about how I communicate. Yeah. And I think for me, I, don't, I won't speak for everyone. I know for me, my gut check is almost always, if I would prefer to not have the conversation in person, that's, that's a, usually the conversation I have to have in person. That's right. <laughs> that's that's a great standard. If, if my default is, I, just want, I really just want to send a text and be done. It's almost always better yeah. to just talk with that person. Yeah. And, and oftentimes, when I talk about it with the staff at, at North Point, um, if it goes email response email response at that point it's like no more email have the go yep. see the person set it up have the conversation face to face because the more um the the more in the weeds you get mm. the more um misunderstood you can be yep yeah that's a great principle um so i, I kind of want to shift somewhat in tone to diatrophies um and so you had kind of unpacked in this letter john identifies Diotrephes as this basically an an evil leader, right. someone who is in leadership that really shouldn't be in leadership is abusing his leadership, um, <clears throat> and so my mind immediately goes to okay, thank God at North Point we don't have that. Right? How do we ensure that we don't have that in our leadership? What checks and balances? What's in place? How do we know that I don't rise to power to the diotrephes? <laughs> you, you know, it was really funny because when I was preaching yesterday, and and I asked that question, the the real question is not. Who do you know that's a Diotrephes? The question is, am I a Diotrephes? I could see people's eyes were like, oh, is Rick Diotrephes? <laughs> um, um, and it, was, it was that connection. Um, so it's a, legit, a legitimate question for all of us to ask that question. Yeah. Do I have those qualities in me? Yep. At North Point, we have what I think is a, is, is a very biblical model of church leadership, um, yeah. what's called polity, in that we... Um, have a group of elders yep. that I'm accountable to. Mm-hmm. And so um, if I start to teach things that shouldn't be taught, if, I, if I'm uh, acting in a way that doesn't honor Jesus, the elders are going to call me into accountability. Um, the church is the, is the person, are the people that affirm the elders who are selected. Yeah. And, and so there is that sense of accountability to the elders, to the body, as well as to Jesus. And for our staff, the staff's accountable to their direct reports, their direct reports accountable to me. So that the, the real issue with Diotrephes is that, that he said, I'm large and in charge. I'm not listening to anybody. Mm. And um, to have uh, at North Point, everybody has people that they're accountable to. Yeah. And, um, and we take that real seriously. Yeah, yeah, and it's such a such an important issue, which brings me to the the next area I want to dive a little more into is this idea of identifying a diatrophies. Because I'm sure, as you were even speaking, you kind of mentioned people's eyes widening, and I'm sure, I I know even for myself, you kind of instinctively think of like, oh, I know that person, I know this person in my life, right. and I disagree with them, and I don't like them, and are they my diatro- Are they the diatrophies of my life? Um, and so I want to kind of unpack, you know, how do we properly identify who the diatrophies is in our life, in ourself. Um, and in kind of speaking to you, you had brought up, um, Henry Cloud had this concept of the yeah. wise person, the foolish person, and the evil person. Right. And how do we avoid labeling someone diatrophies when they're not evil, they're just foolish, or we disagree with them, or we just don't get along with them? Yeah, I, I think diatrophies... Um, evilness, <laughs> if you want to call <laughs> yeah. it that, had to do with how he dealt with the people who were, in a sense, kind of underneath him, yeah. the people that he was responsible to lead, and the lack of people 
that he was willing to submit to mm. and, and to listen to. And so anytime that anyone is in a place where they don't have accountability above them that they listen yep. to and that they, that, that they really have the ability to, to draw the reins in on them and to say, man, you've crossed a line or you're getting really close to a line, mm. um, that's, that's a dangerous issue. Um, when I think about the, 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 the um, people that were in my mind in, when I was talking in the message about that, that have been very public mm-hmm. um, in terms of their abuse of power and, mm-hmm. and fall, um, it's th- they have all had some level of accountability that they've just kind of thumbed their nose at and yeah. said, mm, you know what, you can say what you want, I'm going to do what I want. Yep. And that is not what it means to follow Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's crucial, and I think for identifying it in ourselves, I mean, for me, it's always been uh, the idea of feedback, which I think you had touched mm-hmm. on. I think Henry Cloud's idea touched on that. Like, if someone is giving you feedback, right. a wise person takes feedback, accepts yeah. that, wants that to be a part of their life. It may not be fun, no, but I, but they listen and they yeah. get it and they implement the things that need to to make change. Yeah, and they have an understanding of the value of that. And the foolish person might. Ex- allow feedback, but is not going to accept it, isn't really going to take it, and the foolish person avoids it altogether. Right. You're not allowed to give me feedback. Right. So I think that's the gut check in our own lives is, like, where am I at on that scale of, you know, sometimes it depends on who's giving me feedback or whatever it might be, but I think that's it. that should convict us in some way of, of trying to identify where we're at in the scale. Cause yeah, and I, I don't want to jump into cloud uh, Cloud's stuff too deeply, mm-hmm. but let me just say this because I think it's really helpful if you're watching. Um, that the foolish segment are people that they get feedback and they won't take responsibility for their part in that. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that's a real challenge. It's easy to blame circumstances, to blame people, yeah. Yeah. to blame um, anything except to take responsibility for yourself. Um, one of the things I've said with, with the staff a number of times is anytime that there's negative feedback that comes to us in the church, the first question to really ask is, where is their truth in what has been communicated to us? Mm-hmm. Because it doesn't matter if if it's brought to us in a in a um, in a mean, spiteful way, mm-hmm. or uh, whatever. If there's truth there, we need to be sensitive to know that God may be using that yep. that conflict that um, that that um, feedback that we're getting yep. to draw us back to Him in a way that honors Him. Yeah. Yep. Love that. Don't be foolish. Be wise. Don't be foolish. <laughs> don't be evil. <laughs> Definitely don't be evil. Yeah. Um, and so this uh, this will be the last question that I have uh, is kind of walking through um, removing evil people from your life. Um, and actually, maybe that maybe my question ties into we got an anonymous question that 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 I think actually ties into this really well. Um, the question that they submitted was, what advice would you give for someone who is stuck in the place of submission to a diatrophies at home, at work, in the government, wherever it might be, like wherever you might identify a, tr- a true diatrophies. So not just someone that you don't like, not just someone you disagree with, not just someone that you don't get along with, but a truly evil person. What how do what advice do we give for someone that's stuck under that? Um, Those those segments are interesting segments. Yes, Um, I think in in every situation the starting place is to pray for diatrophies. Mm. 
to, to just say, God, I need you to help me walk through this. I need you to help me respond in the right way. Mm -hmm. I need you to help me see with clarity what the situation is. I would say if you're in, in a situation at work um, with Diotrephes, with a Diotrephes boss, mm -hmm. um, an option is to say, you know what, it's not safe for me to to operate, to continue with yeah. that in that kind of situation. I also think it's a legitimate place to say, you know what, God, there's some things that you want to teach me through this process. I'm going to stick it out because at some point in time, God is going to call Diotrephes, a person who acts like Diotrephes, uh, on the carpet, and they're going to be there. There's going to be some level of responsibility that they take. Mm -hmm. They usually implode. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, they they usually uh, cause that destruction that we talked about. Mm -hmm. um, and so, I I think that you can you can take a posture to say, I'm going to stick it out. I'm going to be faithful where I am as long as uh, as God allows me to. I think that that's an option. I think in the, in terms of the government realm, yeah. I think you look at that in, in terms of okay, what are the um, what are the what's the what are the biblical principles that apply mm -hmm. in that area of our life? And yeah. I think when you look at at uh, Romans at First Peter three, we're called to obey the government um, and to and to be as followers of Jesus the best citizens yeah. in the country, regardless. I mean that those those uh, that instruction came. When there was a very corrupt, yes, and um, and uh, a, a very corrupt government that was violently opposed, yes, to those who follow Jesus, and both both Peter and Paul say, you know what? No, God put them in charge for a reason, mm -hmm. even in their sinfulness, mm -hmm. and so need to be faithful to God in that process and to recognize that there's going to be a, a cost that yeah. comes in that. I think the harder the harder realm that you talked about is okay. What happens if you have a diatrophies at home? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that the, uh, just just for clarity, if um, if it is a situation where you're unsafe, you know, where physically there are issues there, uh, I think that that that's one of the things that you reach out and say, I, I've got to have help. I you know I, I've got to get out of this situation because yeah. of the physical threat that's there. Um, I think that um, minus that, there it's a real challenge again to pray and say, God, what do you want me to do in this, yeah. um, and how do you want me to respond, and um, and and to to just follow where He leads in that. Yeah. I think if you're in a if you're brought into um, contact with with diatrophies with mm -hmm. a diatrophies in your life the only people who can really help in that are people who have a, a relationship and that's even hard because they their nature is that they're in control and that they won't listen to anybody else right but if you have if you have a place to be able to speak into their life we need to do that as followers of Jesus because we're we're warning them of their impending destruction because right. it's going to happen. Right. What what you sow, you're going to reap. Uh, yep. Biblical truth. Yeah, and that's that's what I think is is clear. As some instruction from John's letter is that John interacted right with John. John says, "I'm gonna I'm gonna come call him on the carpet. I'm right. gonna come talk to him and right. straighten him out." Right, and that comes from. I mean, John has had previous interactions. Right. Like this is an ongoing thing where it's not that 
John just heard of Diotrephes and was like, oh, the dude's evil. Right. Like, John has had some sort of relationship. We're not given full clarity on what that looks like, but it right. had some sort of opportunity for Diotrephes to refuse instruction, to refuse accountability continually. And so John is at that point where he arrives to the conclusion of Diotrephes is someone that needs to be called out, needs to be held accountable. Um, and that can look different at home, at work, in the government, yeah. in the church. Yeah, and and I think that there is uh, when you look at all the scripture, you say, okay, what's John's interaction with Diotrephes? What's that going to be? Yeah, and I think it makes sense when you l- look at the principles that are involved that Diotrephes is probably going to be removed from his leadership position. Mm-hmm. Not probably, he is going to be removed from his leadership position. Yep. Um, but the goal of that is to protect the body yep. that he's been leading. And to call Diotrephes to repentance, to, yeah. to bring him back into the right kind of relationship with Jesus. Yep. And John was unique in his position as one of the 12, mm-hmm. as the elder that he describes himself as, to be able to do that. And that even though John was uh, um, known for his loving pastoral nature, mm-hmm. the most loving and pastoral thing he could do would be to remove diatrophies yeah. um, for the sake of the of the people that he's been leading. Yeah, yeah, I think that's 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 great. That's it's a that should help us. I think because my concern is we love labels in our culture, and right. it's so easy to just label someone as you're the evil person in my life. You're the diatrophies, right. and to know that that's not a label that John throws around. That's not a label that the other authors in the Bible throw around. That it's just this willy nilly like ah, there's. People are evil, we'll yeah. keep them out of the church, whatever. Um, that is a label that is arrived at with a lot of prayer and consideration and relationship right. and the push and the pull and the uncomfortable process that comes with all of that. And right. Yeah, I mean, you can hear it in John's letter that this it's not like a fun thing that John just labels right. people as geotrophies. Right. But like you said, having that love and care for the church, that same love and care for diotrophies and for his soul and caring for that is i think very clearly evident and not something that we should just yeah let me let me say one other thing we um uh that that we haven't really talked about in this and i didn't talk about yesterday it's interesting to me that one of the um descriptors of diatrophies is that he spreads malicious reports Mm. about us to the people um Mm. the uh I, and the reason I point that out is to say, if if you're in a place where, as a follower of Jesus, other people are s- spreading untrue things about you, know that God has not forgotten you, hmm. and that He's not um, that that's not going on in anonymity, and that you're just going to have to deal with that forever. You may you may have to deal with that for the rest of your life, hmm. but God knows it. John John knew it. Um, he knew that Diotrephes was trying to cut his legs out from underneath him, mm. um, and John was going to deal with that. But that's um, we are not promised a bed of roses. <laughs> we're not we're not promised an easy life as followers of Jesus, nor as, as Christian leaders. Yeah. And um, and and just know that you're not alone in that. Yeah, that's great. Uh, those are the those are the questions that I have. Good. I think it's a lot to chew on. It's a great it's a great content. Third John is not a long book, so right. dive back into it. Keep reading it. Um, it's there's a lot, a lot to uncover in Third John. So, uh, anything else on your end? Nope.
I think we got it Sounds covered. Sounds great. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks for watching. Yes, thanks for tuning in. Keep submitting your questions, and we will see you next Share week. Share and like. Share, <laughs> like, subscribe, do all of that. <laughs> yes, keep doing that, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>